right, now, thank you for the clock, guys. This is a really important sermon. We're not going to be doing um, uh, Empowered for the next couple of weeks because the Lord has been quickening me. I'm getting an echo or something, if you could help me with that. Uh, the Lord has really done something where I just saw something and I went, we really need to take a moment and do a couple of weeks on something. And the one that we're doing today is forgiveness. And I want to show you something about forgiveness before we start really getting to the meat of it. Uh, you know the reveal study that we all did, if you were here a few years ago, and we did these reveal studies and so on, and this is the millions of dollars of research that, that Willow Creek did to find out what makes people grow and what stops them from growing. And then from that, they wrote a book, and then from that, they now have an app that they're working on, and we're doing... We are the beta church. We're the only church that's doing the beta two for this group that's doing something that's going to be all over the Christian world in about a year or so from now. And they're already working on beta three, and we're already getting lined up to do that and so on. But let me just show you something. In this beta test that we're doing, it looks like this. This is a window, and this just shows you your dashboard, and you take little survey over there. And the person who did this one is 70% done, meaning they've done their survey, but they're still exercises that come out of it as you as it asks you questions and you answer it's a very sophisticated thing behind the scenes in front it's very simple it seems like you're just answering questions one scale of one to six do you totally agree with this or not or, you know do you totally agree with this or not right and the bottom line is is that as you answer the questions it's doing this very sophisticated algorithm behind there saying Oh, if you answer this way, then we want to loop you into another set of questions and another set and so on so that it can bring out something that is very unique to you. That's what we're doing here at Lake Sam is we're trying to figure out as a church how to individually disciple as Christ is. He's got you on an individualized, personalized, fingerprinted journey that is not like anybody else's. So how do we join him in that? And this is the tool that we're using. But let me show you something. At the very beginning of this discipleship survey, the first two questions for everybody are the same. And that's this right here. I, you can't hardly read that, and I'll make it bigger in a second. I unconditionally forgive all members of my family who wrong me. Okay? That's a big one. And there's some big stuff behind there. Some, you know, I mean, there's stuff that can happen in a family that's pretty bad, right? But now I want you to go to this second one. I want you to see this. I am able, listen to this, I am able to unconditionally, for, unconditionally, what's that mean? Without condition. <laughs> really tough stuff, right? Without, unconditionally forgive whatever someone else has done to me, regardless of whether they ask for forgiveness or not. Now answer that question for me, just right now in your own hearts, you don't, don't speak it out. But can you do that? You know, is it, is it you totally disagree with that statement or you totally very strongly agree? And let me say something. People that I know that are very mature taking this, not just one. So if you're thinking that you, I'm the one you're talking about, I'm not. There were several people that did it. But a lot of people got hung up on this question because they said, it's not that I have a problem with forgiveness. I don't. I, and I know them and I know that they're mature and that they are forgiving people. But they said, but there's something in that question. I know that they're looking for a six, but let's get real. What if somebody's still engaged in the behavior that they're doing that's harming people? Am I supposed to forgive them? Doesn't that end up being kind of an enabling? You see what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't even seem right at some, at some level and in some way, does it? You know, this isn't even okay to say that. You unconditionally forgive them no matter what they're doing? What, what are you talking about? They're, wait a minute, doesn't it work differently than that and so on? Isn't there something in there? This is, this is only two of, when you take the survey, depending on how you answer and so on, but you'll have probably, in, a, in 50 questions, you'll have maybe 18 of them are about forgiveness. Over and over, they're asking you this. And I went back to Matt Smay, the guy who's doing this. I'm still just really loud and echoey, if there's any way to beat it. Uh, and if not, it's okay, Okay. But the point is, I went back to Matt Smay, the guy who's doing the, the beta test and doing it on their end. And I said, why so much emphasis on forgiveness? And his answer was roughly this. When you look at the research, 
we got mountains of research, millions of dollars of research about what hangs people up in their walk. Forgiveness is so far the biggest one that, that knocks people off, that gets them stuck, that gets them to where they're not able to progress. Forgiveness is the one over and over again. It just comes up at so huge. And you don't, you know, you wouldn't know that just by taking the test or reading the book or so on. But he's just saying forgiveness turns out to be absolutely monumental. Now, now think about that for a second. Because when you think about that, think about life. Of the people that you know that are stuck, right? They're just not progressing. They're not happy. It's not happening for them. They're not moving on in life. How many times does it come back down to something happened to them that's got them stuck? They can't forgive the person. They can't let it go. And it's sticking them, right? There's, there's an old saying, and I, I hate it, and you'll see why I'm going to hate it in just one second, but it's also got a lot of truth in it. It's for unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to get sick. Right? There's something that it's doing to you. The scripture says when you haven't forgiven someone, that holds them in bondage. But I think it holds you in more. I really do. Everybody's held in bondage on this deal. But now let's get serious about something here, because there's about 15% of the population of this, of the people sitting right here now and listening to me online. There's about 15% of this population is probably higher than that. But there's, there's a pretty good percentage of people who have had something happen to them. And let's be clear, we're going to the spectrum of things that could happen that you'd have trouble forgiving. We're going all the way to the worst case scenario, because if, if we can't be real over case scenario, we're not being right about everything else. So we got to get this one right. And there's people that have been abused sexually or physically by their parents at a young age, meaning an authority figure in your life treated you in some manner that was so wrong that it actually damaged you and has changed the path of your growth in life. It did something in your head, something in your heart that has, that has, you know what I mean? And you start talking about forgiveness to somebody who's gone through something like that, and somebody who would just be saying something like, get over it, that only somebody who's never gone through this kind of a thing could ever say something stupid like that. Because this is literally developmental. This will affect how you develop. So you're saying, how am I supposed to get this? How am I supposed to overcome that? How am I supposed to redeem that? How does this go to some other place? Do you, do you get what we're saying here? But look, you don't have to go to the, that case. You can go to uh, a spouse was unfaithful. That is going to affect you, right? Deeply. A best friend betrayed you in a way that hurt you in very tangible, real ways. Promotions, jobs, friendships, whatever. You see what I mean? Something happened to you that has, that has genuinely caused real, actual damage. The kind of thing that nobody would say, you shouldn't be damaged from that. The kind that we would all say, if we have any heart or any compassion or empathy whatsoever, we would say, if that had happened to me, that would have affected me too. That would have taken me down another road, and it would have changed who I am. That's what we're talking about when we talk about that end of the spectrum. And so I want to say something to everybody who's there. God is bigger, and he has a way. And we're going to look at a way to hopefully help you find some keys blocking something that's kept you in prison. Because that's what God does. He sets captives free. Right? Now, there's other people in here that, haven't, that don't go to that far down to that side of the spectrum, right? Let me, let me tell you this. When you get a hold of what we're going to be talking about today, in the fullness of what we're talking about today, it will not only set you free in ways that you didn't know that you were bound, but it will supercharge your growth.
there's a, a way of thinking about this, whether it's all the way over on this end of the spectrum or all the way on this end of the spectrum, there's a way of thinking about forgiveness that when you get a hold of what's being said and what God is trying to get across to us, it simply changes everything. This is super important, what we're doing today. I can't wait for you to experience it because it's going to be very experiential in how we do this. So with that in mind, our prayer is Josh Benjamin. Wow, that is phenomenal. Josh, Josh and Joy, you guys are, I got to marry them. And it was just so beautiful and so wonderful. You guys are so an example of who I want everybody in the church to be like and so on. So I love you. Josh, would you pray for us? Lift up another church too, would you? Father God, I uh, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are our redeemer. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts to allow your loving transformation to occur in us today. Amen. Lord, help us to learn more about who you are and who that makes us. Father, I live Emmanuel over in Ballard, and I just ask that you would be with them uh, this you, afternoon Lord. in their service Thank and you, allow Lord. them to continue to be a transformation, uh, transformational in their community, Lord. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Josh. There's so much more I could say about that couple. I'd just love to take their life and out for you and let you just say, yeah, that's what a Christian life looks like. So with that said, uh, I'm going to say something about forgiveness right now that I'm sure you know, but I don't know that we ever think about it quite in this realm. Forgiveness is 100% within the control of the person that was wronged. When you start talking about, no, Kurt, that's not right. I can see how that's right for most of the spectrum. But when you get all the way over to this end of the spectrum, that damaged me in a way that's got me in captivity, that has done something in my life, that developmentally has affected me in a way that I am not, that is not 100% in my control. There really is something over here. Now, I'm not arguing that it hasn't changed your life. I've already said that. And I'm totally agreeing with that. But in the end, forgiveness is actually different than the damage that was done. Forgiveness is a separate thing. And the key about forgiveness is, is that it is 100, totally and utterly in control of the person that was wrong. It has nothing to do with the person that wronged them. Nothing. We make it to where it does. But forgiveness itself, have you ever known anybody who forgave somebody for something that seemed unforgivable? What was the result? And, and we're talking every time. We're not talking like sometimes it works out good and sometimes it doesn't. We're talking that when you find somebody who's good, I know a woman, oh my gosh, I just, I don't want this to be shocking, so be prepared, but I know a woman who, her daughter went to college and got raped and murdered by a guy. And when this woman had that happen to her, she very consciously said, I have a choice in my life now. I can either let that thing creep into my life, that root of bitterness that the, Lord, the Scripture talks about, and this will define me for the rest of my days. I will be a slave to this grotesque, horrible thing that has happened. Or I can forgive and I can be free, even though there's still pain, even though there's still effect, but I can be free. Now, I'm not going to tell you that everything's going to turn out the way this one did, but I'm telling you that that woman went to the prison, to the young man, and forgave him. And then she went back. And then she went back. And then she went back. And I'm not going to say they ever became BFFs. Don't misunderstand. But I'm going to tell you that young man came to the Lord. Now, here's what I'm not saying when I say that. I'm not saying that, oh, that's why God will what happened was to bring him to the Lord. That's just sick, okay? You don't understand what it is when God says he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean he caused the thing to happen. We're free will beings, and we make all kinds of horrible choices. And that man, that man made a horrible choice. 
And that's not to say that God made that choice for him or God ordained that whatsoever. It's to say no matter how bad it is, all the choices that we make, God can take them and do the most amazing things with them. Because that's who he is. And in fact, that's the thing that I want you to start just getting a hold of. Understand something. Watch this. We're going to do a couple scriptures here so that we can see how God feels about this and then talk about why he does this. But, but here's the Lord's Prayer, and it's in the NLT, and, I'm, and I'm, this is a little different than, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the way that we all learned it. But just read it with me. Our Father in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today this food that we need. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, other versions add a few more things, but let me just take this one. And let me show you something about this one. Watch this. Our Father, when art in heaven, your name be, may, may your name be kept holy. Okay, now that's, you know, your, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come. I'm, I'm telling God, may your kingdom come. I'm saying, God, do this. Right? May your will be done. God, do this. As it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Give us what we need. Forgive us our sins. God, please forgive us. And then for the first time, it switches from us asking God for something to there being a condition. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. The next, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. See, again, we're asking the Lord to do something. But you see, in the whole prayer, the only thing that's asked of us is this. As, you, as we forgive. It's saying, you forgive, and I'll forgive. In fact, the prayer ends with Jesus saying, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's harsh. It seems like there's a lot of things where God could have drawn in the sand and said, if you do this, I'm just not going to forgive you. Murder, rape. Those seems like they would be clearly something where God could have said, I'm not going to forgive you that stuff. But he draws the line in the sand at the place where if you don't forgive, he won't forgive. That's where he draws the line, really? Give me a break. Why would he ever do that? Really simple. Think about who he is. He's love. We understand in the first instance what that love means is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in absolute oneness, the three in one. We understand that that's love manifested. But think about the love that goes out from there. God is love. What does that mean to fallen people? Jesus on the cross. It's forgiveness. That's what love looks fallen people. See it? There's more to it than just that. But understand, God is love. And as love, what he is, what he is, is forgiveness. And what he's asking you is a forgiver. He made you to be in his image. And if you're not manifesting who he made you to be, if you're not manifesting his image, then there's an issue with whether or not you know him. With whether or not you really get who he is. In fact, the way that he says it again, super important verse. All of this is a gift from God, all these great things. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Do you see it right there? You see, God is the one who forgave you. And so he's asking you to forgive others. And what, in another translation, it'll say, a ministry of reconciliation. That's something I'll say all the time. We have a ministry of reconciliation. Because we were the ones that were forgiven. <laughs> we were the ones that were forgiven and reconciled. And so he's saying, pass it on. Where you've been comfort, comfort. You've been forgiven everything. So, wait a minute. You've been forgiven for 98% of the stuff that you did, but that other 2%, come on. How did he forgive us? Unconditionally. Except for maybe the one condition that says you've got to pass it on, and if you don't, I won't. 
Other than that, there's nothing. There's nothing that stands in the way of absolutely anybody and God forgiving you. Nothing. Right? By the way, just so that I could do this, because this, this is what somebody will ask me afterwards. Does that mean that this abusive situation that I was in, I have to forgive them and go back to the situation? Absolutely not. Okay? Do not put yourself back into a situation where you're going to be harmed again. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> okay? And this is nothing about forgiveness has to do with having to be stupid. Okay? You don't have to go back into a situation that is going to harm you. And you know it's going to harm you. You don't have to do that. But that doesn't mean by not going back in, that doesn't mean that you still can't forgive them entirely. And in fact, in a moment here, we're going to be start looking at how do you do that? How do you forgive people in a, in, to a degree that it sets you free? Right? But just having said that, let me just keep going here. Then Peter comes and says, Lord, how often should I give somebody who sins against me? Against me seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. Seventy times seven. Oh, this is great. 490 times in the 491st one, I'm okay. I get to hold them in judgment because the 491st time, they're out. That was the line. You know what 70 times 7 actually means? What's the number 7 mean in biblical numerology? Completeness, fullness. That's the, in seven days, the heaven and the earth. 7 is the number of completeness and fullness. So here's what he's actually saying to paraphrase it. 10 times completeness and fullness times completeness and fullness. What does that mean? Let me paraphrase it all the way. How many times you should give a, forgive a person? As long as it takes. <laughs> Until it's done. There's never an end to it. The forgiveness is extended to its fullness. To perfection. See it? That's what he's saying. And they got that, by the way. They didn't get 490. Exactly what Jesus did, right? I mean, who is wrong more than Jesus? Anybody? Seriously, no matter what happened to you, it's not worse than you having created a creature which then kills you for what exactly again? For healing them? For, healing, for delivering them? For bringing them good news? Is that a good reason to kill somebody? What did Jesus do to deserve any of this? And yet we did it. And when we did it, Jesus' last words are, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Which, by the way, is repeated by who? Stephen, the first martyr. He's being stoned for having told them some things and so on. They didn't like it. And as they're killing him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Same thing Jesus said, right? And then he fell to his knees and shouted, Lord, don't charge them with sin. How important do you think it is to God that we forgive if he had both Christ on the cross and the first martyr say the same thing about forgiveness? How important is it? <laughs> Are we there? I hope so, because there's a lot of truths I could give to you, but I'm going to mercifully cut that short. And what I'm going to say is, is, do we get it? And in fact, here's what I want to say. It's been interesting in the worship and in the tithe testimony that came and so on. It's been interesting that there's been a theme, if you've been hearing it. It's trust God. Sean Lumsden, a really good friend of mine and a pastor of many people who were here and who are here and so on in former days, and he pastors over in Spokane, we were just at convention together, and he said something to me which is just so perfect. He got it from a book, but here it is. Every conflict in our hearts, every time that you're wrestling with something, every conflict in our hearts is ultimately a con as to whether or not we're going to trust the goodness of God. Are you going to trust him in your, with your finances? Are you going to trust him with your marriage? Are you going to trust him in your relationships? Are you going to trust him when you forgive? Wait a minute, God. I can't forgive them because they're still a schmuck. Wait a minute, God, I can't forgive them because they're still hurting people. It's not wise for me to forgive them. The goodness of God. You may, well, in one place he says, right, for the people that hate you, that oppress you. He does talk about it, heaping coals on their head, but I don't really want, I didn't want to bring that scripture up because then I'll think, okay, I'll pray for them so that I can judge them. I can bring bad to them. 
that heaping coals thing, what's he talking about? He's talking about bringing presence as fire. He's talking about bringing him into their situation as you do the thing that Jesus and Stephen did on the cross. Jesus on the cross and Stephen being stoned. When you say to somebody who's wronging you, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. It's not that you're saying what they did was okay. What you're saying is they don't get it. Help them get it. Help them. Help them. Bring down something to help them get it. You see it? Bring them to repentance. We have a ministry of reconciliation. So with that in mind, I'll do something right now. In your chair in front of you is a piece of paper and a pen. Pick it up. And if you're somebody who doesn't like to do these kinds of things, you're going to want to pick up the pen and paper because we're going to do this for the next half hour. And I would like you to not just be sitting there twiddling your thumbs. You're going to feel awkward. Okay? So please pick up a piece of paper and pencil and you can doodle on it and do something other than what I'm asking. Or you could actually do what I'm asking. Okay? Your choice. But at least you won't look bad. Okay? Having said that, here's where we are right now. Okay? And Pam, this is where you can come up. I want you to pray, ponder down. Holy Spirit, bring to my mind any area where I might have unforgiveness. Bring to my mind something that a family member did, something that a friend did, something that a spouse did, something that, you know what I mean, uh, whatever and whoever. What's, what's area or areas where I might be struggling with forgiveness? Okay? Write that down on that piece of paper. We're just going to take a, we're going to take, give you about a minute on this one, okay? Now, with at least one of those in mind, we're going to walk through three, yay, four. You know in Proverbs when it says that? But think about, I'm doing, I'm not just being funny when I say, there really are three things that go in a grouping. And then there's a fourth thing, which is outside of that grouping and trumps the whole of this grouping. But the grouping is important too. But there's just something that takes it to a whole nother level. So three, yay, four keys to unlocking this, even, even if it's been very hard to do. Okay? Now the first one's right there. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Here's the one in this one. Here's the scripture. Okay? Jesus dying on the cross. The person who created us dying at our hands. That is the one where we look at that and we say, no matter what has ever happened to you, it isn't as bad as that. And you start to understand 
that God can work all things together for good because in that instance, this horrible thing that we did by killing him, that was the way of salvation for us. Now, you can't figure this part out. This is one of the reasons why Christianity is so real compared to other religions because other religions are pretty straightforward on what they do, even if they have mystery to them and some, so on. But this is one that doesn't make any sense. What we're talking about right now is resurrection power. If you want a key that unlocks, then the first thing you want to do is to remember who our Lord is and what he went through. And what he went through was the most unfair thing that had ever happened to any person on the face of the earth ever. And what he did from it was said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was actually paying our debt, what was due us for the decisions we'd made, he was taking that upon himself. So, and in time, I just want us to ponder that what we're doing in this little section right here is, are we going to own what happened to us more than we own what God can do for us? See it? Are we going to own what happened to us more than we're going to own what God can do for us? Now, if you hold on to what happened to you, then that's what will control you. Right? So what we're doing is keys to unlocking forgiveness, keys to bringing you into freedom. So, And the way that we're trying to do it right now is we're trying to say, who do you trust? Are you going to hold on to what happened to you? Or are you going to go after what God can do for you? Now, remember in the beginning when I said, even if you weren't on this far left-hand scale of really bad things, but even if you were over here, it'll unlock growth for you. Can you see right here what this is doing? If you start realizing Oh my gosh, God is bigger than everything that can ever happen in my life. And what I need to be doing is just trusting him. That really is what I need to be doing no matter what happened to me. If it's the worst scale of it or if it's some other thing of it, what I really need to be doing is trusting the goodness of God. Trusting God who is good. See it? So with mine now, I want you to take another minute and I want you to pray and I want you to think about you're, you've already written down areas that the Holy Spirit brought to you where there may be some unforgiveness there. And now what I want you to do is I want you to take a minute and I want you to ponder, pray, write this down. Do I really trust that God is working all the good? May I say something? If you're somebody who was sexually abused right now, I really wanted to just let you off the hook and say you don't have to do this part. But I didn't feel like the Lord would let me because he was saying, but then they won't get free. So can I just make it so clear how hard this is, can be, for some? Okay? But God's got freedom in it, so it's worth it. So do I really trust that God is working all things? How can you take that thing and work that for good? I don't know. How did he take Jesus' dying and work it for good? I don't know how he can do it. What I do know is that he can what I do know is that he does all the time. So with that in mind, what's holding me back from truly trusting him? How can I get to where I own who he is more than whatever happened to me? Take a minute and pray on and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Just pray, let him speak to you. And as thoughts come to your mind, start to write them down. How can I, how can I get to this key that unlocks so that I get free of what's held me? See it?
we're doing this exercise, and it's not to say that this is it. I'm hoping to pattern something that you can do this through the next days. I'll be asking these questions. Let them take you much deeper. I got to tell you, the two things, I thought I had nothing. I really, people that know me well know that this is true about me, and that is, I really don't hold anything against anybody. And you're going to see why in two seconds. But I just want to say, I was shocked when I asked the Holy Spirit that somebody that I hadn't forgiven. And he gave me two people that are very, very close to me. And that I would have never thought of until right now was a problem, was an issue. And then as I let him talk to me about why that's an issue, I discover yet again where I really am. Right? What I really need. So let me just let me just take you to the second key. Okay, just three keys and then a fourth. Lord, what do you love about the person who wronged me? Kim, I don't think it's possible to forgive if you don't love the person. How can I love the person that did that to me? I cannot do that. Actually, in God, amazingly, miraculously, and only because of God, you can. That doesn't mean you have subject yourself again to their torment or anything else. But it does mean, I really do believe something. Forgiveness and love are the same word. They're not two different words. They're not, they go together, hand in hand. To love somebody and forgive them. That's what God did with us. He loved us and forgave us. Right? So I just want us to own this thing of, you know, how do you forgive somebody, love somebody who have done such horrible things to you? How to do that? It's really simple. I just ask the Lord, how do you love them? Because I can tell you, I don't. <laughs> what they did to me, I'm not going to. But I know that you can, and I know that you do. And so I just don't get what you get that I don't get. And so you've got to give me what you got. Does that make sense? Right? Go after it. Spend a minute here, would you? And what we're looking for right here is, again, pray, ponder, write down, God, what do you love about this person who hurt me? What do you love about them? See, I'm going to tell you right now, this little journey God's got me on up here, as soon as I, I went, oh, of course, <laughs> the very thing you love about them is the very thing that I'm holding against them. <laughs> Literally. The, the generosity of this person is what I'm holding against them, and that's what you love about them. Oh, go for it.
again, I'm writing down items for my prayers tomorrow, my devos, because there's so much more than what we can do in this limited time. But let's go to the next one. And such were some of you. You Christians have become Christians, and now you're judging all these people that are doing all these terrible things. And the problem was such were some of you when you were saved. I have to say, I think that if you, let me just put it this way. It's very hard for me to judge anybody else or to not forgive them because I know what I was forgiven of. I didn't come to the Lord so young that I didn't know good and evil. Come to the Lord late enough in life that I knew good and evil really well. And when I got saved, I knew what a wretch I was. And that has always sent me there. But here's the truth. That was 40 years ago. And 40 years now, I pretty much got it caked, right? The opposite is true. As I've allowed the Lord to grow me, as I've allowed the Lord to take me on this journey that he takes us on, he peels back these layers there's lots of stuff I've gotten over. There's lots of stuff I've gotten freed from. The stuff that are not afflicting me in any way, shape, or form. And God has brought me to a table, prepared for me in the midst of my, what were enemies that attacked me, but now I'm protected because my head is anointed with oil and my cup overfloweth and goodness and mercy in that area are in my life. Right? This is true. The other truth is, is that as, as, as I get over those things, then God in his love and his grace wants to set me free from things I don't even know I'm bound by. And he starts to pull back a layer and all of a sudden I say, oh my gosh, that's who I am? Wow. Thank God that God doesn't pull back everything at once and let us see who we are. <laughs> There's no hope in that, right? But what he does is he pulls it back and he lets us see in another way, at another level, who we really are. That song and the that we that hymn that we ran about the wretch. I just want to say something. I'm more acutely aware of my sin today than I've ever been throughout my life, and I expect to be more aware of it tomorrow. Now what I don't do in that is beat myself up. There's something that God's doing with me right now that is the most important thing happening in my life right now. And I don't think I can properly preach it, but I'm going to give a quick little shot at it. I've begun to see that God sees me differently than I thought he saw me. Because the way I've always taught it, and the way I've always felt it was when God looked at me, he knows that he created, that it's his nature. And he is madly in love with me. Who is that new creature? And all the other stuff about me is around me, not me, around me, and is covered by the blood of Christ. Now I want to say, that picture is true, and please hold to it as true. But just lately, God has begun to peel back a curtain and let me see something about how he sees me that is not just that, but that takes that to a deeper level. And if I had to describe what it feels like, it feels a little bit like how a parent, a dad is to a child who's really struggling. And they hate the sin in that child's life, but not because they hate the sin and they're going to wrap you on your knuckles because you're such a dirty, rotten sinner. They hate the sin that's in that child's life, the problem that's in that child's life, because of how it's stealing from this person that you love. And you are grieved. You're not judging. You're overwhelmed. And I've begun to see God looks at us. There's this thing about we've got to think good about ourselves. And I think depending on your personality type, you know, that can be important. But what I want us to see today, it's just even with for a moment, I want us to see that God sees how unbelievably broken you actually are. Broken in ways you don't have a clue about. That by his grace, he's covering so that you don't even see it. 
but that he's nonetheless healing. And lovingly and graciously as you can handle, he'll peel back a layer and let you see it and try and bring you a wholeness and a healing and a fullness and a glory. That's what walking with Christ is. And he sees us in what we are, but not to judge, but because he grieves to say. Is that right? It's true, right? So if that is who he knows me to be, and if that's who I know me to be, how in the heck can I ever look at the splinter in somebody else's eye? No matter what they've done. That was, that's me. If I'm judging them, I should be judged for the same thing. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I have got to find forgiveness, right? And one of the easy ways of finding forgiveness is I really am. Because <laughs> when I know who I really am, I grieve that they're struggling. Maybe it's not the same thing I struggle with, but I grieve that they're struggling too, and I don't judge. I grieve with them. Compassion. With passion, I join myself to their struggles to be whatever God would have me to be to help them in any way that he would have me help them. And I pray for God to surround them with his love and his grace and his mercy and his glory that he should help them get free of this thing that has grieved us both. Right? You cannot, you cannot hold that person in unforgiveness because there but for the grace of God are you so take a moment how can I forgive more easily by knowing more fully who I really am Again, we're going to just move on. We could spend so much more on this, but there's the three. And I pray. It, I want, can three people stand up and tell me what the Lord did for them this morning? Here's what we have to be real careful about. I, I can't, we don't have time to hear your whole story. And I'm so sorry about that. But what I'm looking for is not your story and how God set you free today, but but I'm looking for what might have happened to you that might be helpful for someone else to hear. You see what I'm saying? What did God say to you that you went, oh, in a way that you thought if other heard this, that that might help them on this. So is there, does anybody have one? Oh, we're going to go back here. Okay. And then who, what was the hand over here? Okay, we're going to come to you next. Go ahead. Stand up. 
Hi. Um, oh, that was loud. <laughs> um, I wrote down that um, forgiveness is a true understanding of eternity and God's presence. Um, understanding that here and now what happens on this earth is not the true consequence of sin, but that true consequence of sin is an eternity apart from God, which is literally hell. It's good. And that we should all understand that God is perfectly just. That thought, you know, oh, God, it's just not fair. But God is so truly just that yeah. he says that he takes all sin, every sin, so easily that unless a person accepts his forgiveness, they are separated from God. And I used to just, I couldn't stand that verse that said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because it just seems so unfair. So, so unfair. But the truth behind that is that unless somebody loves a sinner and prays for them. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, I love what you just said. It's perfect. We're going to go to Dave next. Mm -hmm. Let me just say, where you just, you led us into where we're ending today beautifully. Thank you very much for that. Dave Cosby over here. I realize that my anger steals my ability to forgive. Wow. Wow. Oh, this is phenomenal. Right behind. Um, before Kurt got to uh, number three, you want to stand up so the camera can get you, so people can film. Before Kurt got to number three, I was thinking of a, a person that had hurt me and my, my family, and uh, then I realized that I've recently been forgiven for something so for something similar, and how much that has freed yeah. me, and not only not only did the forgiveness, it didn't necessarily make me feel better right now, then because I saw how much it hurt her, but how much I hurt someone and they were still able yeah. to forgive me. Yeah. And that not only did she forgive me, but then our relationship was made stronger. Amen. And I realized God made the other person exactly the same. Yeah. With so much brokenness and so much greatness because he, it's no different. Awesome. And that 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 pain. There needs to be pain for there to be healing. Thank you, Lord. Again, we're just doing three. We could we could open it up so much more. I just can't. I'm sorry. And I love that you got your hand. Sorry. We're not. We're just gonna because I need to. I've got one last little section here that I'm doing, and and I just want to say there'd be so many testimonies. Would you do me a favor? Would you send them in to me? We'll publish them. They'll help people. That'll help people grow. But I just want to end on this note. Okay? I told you there was three, yay, four. I want to take it all the way home. Oh, that was it. Okay. Now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, that is the church. What happened to Jesus was the most unfair thing that ever happened in all of humanity. What happened to a little child by some adult figure is completely and utterly unfair. All the way up the scale, there, you might actually have been hurt by something which you deserve something of it, right? You know, there was some of it that was earned. But nonetheless, the whole problem about being hurt is, is that it just goes to a place that does something. And what I want us to do is, I want, us, I want to trump the other three. The other three are important because they're teaching us how to forgive. They're teaching us how to unlock. They're teaching us how to do something. But I want to take you into a whole other area right now. I want to take you into how God changed the world. Because he didn't change it through the first three. He changed it by returning good for evil. That's what he did. The first three help us do that. But in the end... What you may be unbelievably unfair. So what? I know it's too cavalier, right? But what I mean to say is, is not just so what, it's would you be willing to do what Christ did 
be willing to allow him to use you as somebody who will respond with good when evil is given so that you can break a fallen world cycle? Would you be the one who's willing to do the thing that is unlike what our world does so that something stands in contrast and can pick people out of their prisons? Would you be willing to complete his suffering? Is it wrong? Is it unrighteous? Is it terrible? Yeah. But is it useful? Well, yeah. So, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, would you take this congregation today and would you set them free? And not just free, would you set us free and then set us on a ministry of reconciliation? Would you cause us to embrace that though you are not the one who caused the bad thing to happen, you are the one who is always greater than it unto healing, if we will but join you. Will you cause us to grow like wildfire because we've started becoming who you made us to be in the world, instruments of love, instruments of forgiveness, instruments of grace extended in the most phenomenal ways. And in Jesus' holy and precious name, we reach down and pick up this cup. There's two cups there. Get them both. And we take this lower cup in which is this body broken for us. This body that, that was broken because he broke ourselves. We held people in unforgiveness. We held them to stand as we did things. Log in our eye, we looked around and held others. Or in those other cases where there was no log in the eye and something just horrible happened. God, we need you to come and to set us free. That we might forgive, that we might come into love, that we might change the damage done into a resurrected place where it's better than it could have been if it hadn't happened. And that's horrible to contemplate, and yet the glory that is you. And so in a broken world, you came and you healed. And that's why we have this cup, in which is broken lives, and we take our finger and we crack it to remind ourselves of the brokenness that we have done. But we lift it up unto you on the cross, and we say to you, Lord Jesus, in the cross is healing, is wholeness, is reconciliation, redemption, and resurrection. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, we take into ourselves now your utter healing in Jesus' name. And now, Jesus, you who spilt your blood that I might have life, true life, real life, free life, God life, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we take this cup that we might have life and that abundantly take together. Thank you, Lord. If you are here, eyes still closed, if you are here and you have not ever received the God who does these miracles, this is your moment right now. Ask God to come into your life and to start changing it, to start doing things, to start showing you things. And if you're here and you've known Jesus for a short time or a long time, do the same thing. Ask him to come in and start doing what only he can do. In Jesus' name. Why don't we just stand and...